is an Odyssey original. This is Coronavirus Daily. I'm Charles Feldman. I'm Mike Simpson from the KNX Odyssey Studios in L.A. Dr. Fauci making it clear COVID not going anywhere anytime soon. We'll likely be dealing with this virus in the next year. The governor of Hawaii telling tourists to stay away in the middle of a growing COVID outbreak on the island. And the global supply chain still messed up more than a year into this. We start, though, with the pessimistic forecast from Dr. Fauci that COVID will continue to dominate our lives well into 2022. We're joined by two guests, Dr. Peter Hotez, the dean of the National School of Tropical Medicine at Baylor College of Medicine, co-director of the Center for Vaccine Development at Texas Children's Hospital, and also Dr. Erwin Redlener, who directs the Pandemic Resource and Response Initiative at Columbia University Medical Center. Dr. Hotez, let's start with you. Why is it that the virus is going to continue? to be this uh, major problem? Well, I think it's because of clearly is the Delta variant has been a game changer. And we're seeing what's going on in Israel now, for instance, how aggressive the Delta variant is even in um, even among some vaccinated individuals. And so I think it's not so much the time horizon. I think it's really more of the high percentage of vaccine coverage that we're going to need. The more transmissible the virus, the higher vaccine coverage you need. So, you know, with measles, for instance, we know we need 95% of the population immunized. And this is not quite measles, but it's getting there. So it's really about how quickly we can vaccinate the American people. And unfortunately, you know, we're only about halfway there. Only half the U.S. population is vaccinated. And you have the 80 million vaccine eligible people who are unvaccinated. So it's for me, it's very much dependent on how quickly we can close that gap among the 80 million. You know, uh, Dr. Redliner, uh, Dr. Hotez just mentioned uh, the whole notion about uh, uh, with the vaccines and, and Israel and what they're seeing in Israel, even among those who are vaccinated. And I think that that is feeding into the anxiety that lots of Americans now have, because one day they're told the vaccines are great. Then they're told, well, there's a Delta variant, but uh, you're still very unlikely to get uh, seriously ill. But then they're told, you know, wherever they happen to get their information from, well, maybe they will get a little bit sicker than we thought they're going to get sick, even if vaccinated. So what what's the takeaway that people should take from all this new data? So um, first, let me start uh, with my personal takeaway is that this idea of predicting where this is going, when it's going to end, how bad will it get? Will we get more uh, variants or mutations, which we certainly will, has made me personally, personally now, extremely gun-shy about prognostication. It feels more and more like a fool's errand to, uh, I'm surprised that uh, Dr. Fauci was making those kind of specific predictions, and then you'd have to back off. He was changing them. It uh, To me, I mean, again, this is for me, I would say, I have no idea. We're dealing with too many variables right now. And as Peter said, we, you know, we have to figure out, you know, how are we going to get more people vaccinated? That goes without saying, no matter what, no matter what you think might be happening, none of it's going to go well if we don't really boost the vaccination rates. And I don't mean just here in the United States, because we have countries in Africa and other places where we're looking at one or two percent of the uh, population being vaccinated. Those places become you know, uh, safe harbors for lethal vac- uh, viruses and mutations to develop, all of which could come back and haunt us. So this is not 
none of this is very good. And I think I'm trying to muster up my own sense of patience about this, but the American public, everybody, it's just we're just gonna have to wait this out for a while. But uh, I'm not into the prediction game anymore. <laughs> Sorry to say, <laughs> Doctor Hoach has the 80 million you're talking about. Um, what if they never get there? Or maybe if 60 million down or 50? That's a lot of people. And I think maybe for a segment of the fully vaccinated who may go get their booster shots in a couple months, who are still masking up because they're told to, they're going. Where's my off ramp for all these rules if this whole other crowd never ever gets there? Well, we're actually seeing this play out in real time right now where I live here in the South and moving into Texas, um, which is, you know, unfortunately, is disp- the disproportionate amount of the 80 million unvaccinated are right here. And it's not a pretty sight. It's, you know, this virus is ripping through and causing massive hospitalizations. Now we're already up over a thousand deaths a day. And I don't see where that I don't see it necessarily that has a ceiling is until we close that gap on vaccinations. And the, unfortunately, the protection from infection recovery is, is incomplete. So this this is what this is the reality right now. Things are as bad as they've ever been. Uh, you know, despite the fact that we've got half the U.S. population vaccinated, the reality is we have half the U.S. population unvaccinated until we can close that and convince, you know, people who are dug in or ideologically opposed to vaccinated to get them to flip. I think this is going to be really challenging. Dr. Redliner, how bizarre, and I can't, I'm trying to think of a better word, is this virus turning out to be, or is it bizarre? Is it just that we're so hyper-focused on it for obvious reasons that it seems as if everything that it does is unusual, or is it not? Well, I, you know, I think in terms of the behavior of the virus, that, that's really right in uh, in Peter's uh, wheelhouse there. But I would say this, the vaccine, I, I don't want to anthropomorphize it too much, but, you know, if if it was person it would be you know it considered very dangerous and wily and able to adapt to all kinds of circumstances which is why the longer we delay in getting the numbers up uh where they should be that might have a chance of really stopping the spread here and doing that globally we're going to have a virus that's going to continue to get ahead of us you know people have described this as a race between the virus and the vaccine and various other ways of uh of expressing that but um Times are wasting now, and we uh, we we have to figure out the strategies for boosting all this. And there's nothing about what we're seeing in the world right now that makes me very confident that we're going to be able to get to the higher levels of vaccinations uh, vaccine uh, in the U.S. or or elsewhere for that matter. And then we have the issue of the of the third dose or the booster shot that is now thrown into the mix. So we have a we have a lot of work to do. These recalcitrant individuals who believe that, you know, we're injecting microchips into them with the vaccine or they become magnetic or that it's all a conspiracy. Those people are not he- just hesitant and waiting for more information or waiting for that FDA full approval, which happened with Pfizer uh, yesterday. These are people that are just not going to get vaccinated. I don't know the answer to making that change, but I think that's we're dealing with some massive challenges, which means that we could be dealing with this pandemic for a lot longer than many of us would uh, really hope to have come true. Dr. Hotez, uh, since it is your wheelhouse, describe for us coronavirus as we know it today. Well, what we're seeing is this this virus has a, a couple of 
virus mutations in the 681 position and elsewhere that's causing it to be far more transmissible than we've ever seen before and maybe more serious illness although that's not as clear but it's clearly this is taking advantage of the huge cohort of unvaccinated people uh, here in the south you know if you look up in vermont and massachusetts they're also going up but not nearly at the the same rate they seem to be able to weather it more so it's a matter of trying to um, really get to you know i think we can maximize the vaccine mandates now that we've got the pfizer biontech uh vaccine approved i think that'll help i think some people there is some autocorrection. People are seeing their friends and family go into the hospital, but it's still a small percentage of that 80, 80 million. And Dr. Redliner is absolutely correct. We've got to vaccinate the world. And one of the things that we've done is developed a low-cost recombinant protein vaccine at our Texas Children's Center for Vaccine Development. Now, Biological E in India is making 100 million doses a month, and our colleagues in Indonesia are making a halal version for Muslim-majority countries. So hopefully that will make a contribution because right now there's just not enough vaccine out there to share. We, we, we went overboard on the innovation and without thinking, hey, what is, how can we make enough vaccine for the world, for the Southern Hemisphere, for Africa, Latin America, and Asia? And hopefully we can fill that gap as well. So it's a matter of closing vaccine gaps in the U.S. and vaccinating the world. And 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 we're just not moving fast enough. Dr. Peter Hotez, Dean of the National School of Tropical Medicine, Baylor College of Medicine, and Dr. Erwin Redliner, directs the Pandemic Resource and Response Initiative at Columbia University Medical Center. Thanks to you both. When virus cases were going down, tourists were flocking to Hawaii, and of course the islands were always an extremely popular tourist destination. But now the governor there telling people stay away. The island's dealing with the surge in cases, some restrictions phased back in. No formal travel limits in place, though. Derek Kawakami is the mayor of Kauai County, Hawaii. So, Mr. Mayor, what's it feeling like among the residents right now, and uh, your thoughts on what the governor's been saying? Well, I haven't had a chance to clarify what the governor meant, but I definitely heard the same thing you folks heard. Um, You know, from our perspective, we are more talking to our residents here to um, understand that travel right now um, should be limited to essential. But I will tell you, um, as far as the case counts here on Kauai, um, it's primarily our local residents that have traveled, many of them unvaccinated, that come back home. And then from there, we get community transmission. So although we've seen some cases from the visitor industry, it hasn't risen to the level of concern where, um, you, you know, where we're at that point. And you're right. You know, it does generate tremendous amounts of revenue that our business and our government services depend on. Um, so, you know, I just hadn't had a chance to ask them, did you mean what came out of your mouth just as it get? Well, are you pretty comfortable with tourists still? I mean, because to get on that plane, you've either got a test negative or you've got to prove you're vaccinated and upload that to the, the system before you even step on the airline. You know, that, that's a layer of protection. And, you know, for the most part, the hotel industry themselves have skin in the game to keep their own workers safe because, as you may have heard, it's very hard to find workers. Many restaurants are struggling to find workers. And, you know, I myself came from the business community. And so um, I do know that management um, and especially the workers that were looking forward to getting back to work and making some income, um, they're trying to do what they can do. Um, and, of course, visitors are trying to have a pleasant experience. Like, who likes to travel when they're sick, right? 
So now, so now that the governor has said now is not the time to, to come, have you heard from many in the business community about like, well, now what do we do? Well, you know, um, we, we have heard some. I mean, immediately after that statement, you know, we have somebody from the visitor industry in the room with us to help give us, um, you know, the reality check of what the visitor industry is doing and what they're faced with. And I'm pretty sure that they've had some cancellations, um, but some people are, are canceling on their own because I think they are seeing the rise in case counts in Hawaii and perhaps in their own city or home state that they belong to. And many people are making the personal choice that, hey, you know, I'm just going to wait till uh, things settle down a bit because um, this coronavirus seems to uh, have some um, wavelength to it, meaning it goes up and down and people are trying to time their recreational travel where uh, things will be safe and there will be few restrictions. Speaking of restrictions, how are things going with the new restrictions that got rolled back in, the capacity limits? What does it look like when, when you go around? I was there, I don't know, month, month ago, maybe, and people were pretty good about, you know, as soon as you went inside to stores, that kind of thing, restaurants, people were putting on those masks. It looks normal. Um, many restaurants are struggling to find labor. Um, so even though the capacity went up to 75%, what we observed is, Many of the restaurant owners um, and business owners, if they couldn't find the appropriate staffing, which it's hard for any business to do right now, um, they weren't willing to give their diners and their patrons an unpleasant experience. And so many of them have just focused on, um, you know what I mean, being able to maintain a level of service that's appropriate um, because nobody wants to get blasted on Yelp. You know, in this day and age, it's easy for one person to give a scathing review and people are just mean and unforgiving. They just all pile on. So business owners are very sensitive to the fact that they want to maintain a level of service that's appropriate. And so I have not really uh, seen too much of a difference. And although some business owners, of course, are, are not happy, um, for the most part, uh, they're, 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 they're making it work. So in summation, despite what the governor said, is it your view that if people want to go to Hawaii, they should go? Well, people have an innate ability to want to explore. And especially during this pandemic, I think the best thing and advice that I would say is one, to, to do your part to help keep Hawaii and Kauai safe. You know, right now, our people are, are uh, you know, they're, they're a little vulnerable. Uh, everybody's a little bit on edge, especially because we feel vulnerable. Right. You so know, should, pe should, should, should people on the mainland go? They should be respectful. That's what they should do. They should sort of educate themselves on uh, what to do and absolutely what not to do. And they should come here and just be respectful. I think that's the golden rule is to do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. Derek Kawakami, mayor of Kauai County, Hawaii. Coming up after a short break, why are we still dealing with a major supply chain issue? We've been dealing with this pandemic for more than a year, but Americans are still facing a number of issues when it comes to getting just about any product. Global supply chain disruptions have persisted for much longer than we originally thought. Could make getting gifts for the holidays difficult. Douglas Kent, executive vice president of the Association of Supply Chain Management. So how hazy is the crystal ball you look into when you try and figure all this out? 
<laughs> well, I was just going to say the same. If we had a crystal ball that wasn't hazy, that would be a blessing. Um, <laughs> but it, I think as, as we see, the disruptions are continuing and there's no sign of recovery in the future. Okay, so what sort of things are in short supply or, or maybe on the brink of being short supply? Well, unfortunately, a lot of it is going to be centered around those goods which are either as, as part components or finished goods are manufactured in Asia. So we're seeing, of course, the port congestions are continuing there. COVID has rehit. Some ports have shut down. This continues to then delay. Um, the transport of goods uh, for those consumers, particularly for here in the U.S. And then, of course, what arrives here, it's a mess as well, as we know that the port congestion and transportation links, both rail and road, are still problematic. So that's going to hit a lot of different goods. Um, so Christmas is, I hate to be the Grinch, but it's probably not going to look so positive. So the solution is what, just shop early or you're going to pay more for stuff what are we i mean we know what's happening with cars and and their prices are still high and there's still a bunch of cars sitting out there waiting for the microchips so yeah so i think yeah there's a couple of you know concerns would be that if people start buying early are we just going to have a repeat of the toilet paper syndrome right where uh people are then hoarding goods uh, which is also not good because unfortunately it just creates this uh, unanticipated consequence where we're not sure what what is the demand. Are people buying early or are people really buying more than we anticipated? So I, I think it, the, the solution is going to be, uh, you know, that you're you're going to have to shop carefully. You're going to have to look for trying to de-risk the the situation by looking for alternative sources of supply. Yeah, there was a story this morning, I think, of some shoppers at, uh, I think it was a Target, that they couldn't get or they were running out of, of uh, paper towels, that sort of thing. Why were we back to that? Uh, it's, it's, it's consumers being frightened, frightened of, again, any sort of constraints, any sort of constraint in supply drives an unanticipated consequence, which is um, we decide to start stocking up right on things or buying early etc the problem of course is the manufacturers don't know what what is going on is it is it truly that people are just buying early to try and protect themselves is it that uh, actually the demand is greater than we had forecasted and it's a difficult you know there's a lot of signals to try and educate us but unfortunately in this uh, in this particular time, it's it's difficult to sort out the truth. And I guess with so many stops along the lines, it can break at any point, right? When there's a problem, because you've got your store, and then there's the distributors, and then the manufacturers, and then you got to ship everything everywhere. One of those doesn't know what to do or how much to order, then it screws up everybody else. Yeah, and it's exactly right. That multi-mode visibility um, is is exactly what the problem is. So we don't we don't know what's happening. We don't from retail back to wholesaler to distributor to manufacturer to you know part manufacturer. It's a complex global network. And when there's a break, when there's information lacking, when there's a glut, when there's a capacity concern, etc. Any of those go wrong, and unfortunately, all of those are going wrong simultaneously. This is what creates the problem. Douglas Kent, Executive Vice President of the Association of Supply Chain Management. Jerry Jones is the multi-billionaire owner of the NFL's Dallas Cowboys. He's an outspoken conservative, so you might not expect him to push the COVID vaccine. But he's been adamant that all his team's players and coaches get vaccinated. 
In a radio interview, he said that he believes everyone has the right to make their own health decisions, but not if those decisions affect the health of others. We have got to check I at the door and go forward with we, he said. You can find this Odyssey original on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. 